What's up guys, Kevin Estella here with Fieldcraft Survival. I want to recognize some of our sponsors that make this podcast you're about to hear possible. First one is Six Hour. Six Hour is the leading name in the United States when it comes to firearms and training. Solid, solid folks at the Six Hour Academy. I don't think they get enough credit. These dudes are awesome. These gals are awesome because let's not forget Hannah Bilodeau who's a total badass chica. She's over there um, along with all my good buddies from the Six Hour Academy. Guys, SIG makes some fantastic pistols. I've been playing around lately with the SIG M400 Tread and that AR-15 platform. I mean, it's got great fit and finish, super accurate. I've let a bunch of students try it in courses. Very, very pleased with it. And I've never, never had an issue. Knock on wood. The other gun that is one of my favorites that I travel with a lot is the uh, SIG 365. Uh, the SIG 365 is a fantastic firearm in that it's a striker fired pistol. That pistol is one that you can change into the um, small configuration or the large configurations so of the standard or the XL. You can go from a 10 round mag to a 15 round mag. You can do a lot with the 365 XL. Um, and you can also put a weapon light on it, like the TLR seven sub making it a great backwoods gun. So check that one out if you get a chance. And like I said, check out the six hour Academy. It's up in Epping, New Hampshire. Uh, if you go up there, stay at the Exeter Inn, eat at Goody Coles, swing over to Kittery, go shopping over there. You can make a whole vacation out of going to the SIG Academy. And I'm excited to be up there this September. I'll be teaching modern survival skills, September 9th, which that class as of this recording is over halfway filled and it will be a great time being up there uh, for the first time as an instructor at the school where I train 20 something times. So really excited to be back up there. The other podcast sponsor I want to recognize is Vertex. Vertex has been in the game for a long time. I mean, I remember wearing Vertex pants at the Wilderness Learning Center in the early 2010s. And, you know, I still have Vertex pistol magazine pouches that I use when I go to the range just to keep all my stuff organized. And a bunch of the folks here uh, carry various firearms and Vertex bags, which are designed to, you know, carry short barreled rifles or pistol caliber carbines or pistols with suppressors on them. So guys, please check out vertex.com. Uh, they've got a whole line of clothing that, like I said, I've, I've worn for many years. It's tough as nails. I still have a pair of Vertex pants that I wore on a pilot TV show that I was uh, on back in like 2016, which, you know, required me to hike through the desert like 28 miles over three days. And I mean, I was dragging those pants over rocks and through briars and all sorts of crap. Uh, I still have pine sap in those, those pants from that trip. And yeah, they're, they're lasting. So guys, check out Vertex when you get a chance. That's V-E-R-T-X. And uh, see all the stuff that they have to offer. The last thing I'm going to say is please check out the classes that we have coming up. We are training all across the country. I will be in uh, New Hampshire. I'm going to be in Connecticut. I'm going to be back in Utah. I'll be all over. So if you're looking for survival training, uh, check it out. You can see where I'm going to be. And of course, I'm based here in North Carolina at our fire base out here. So please check us out in Aberdeen. If you know anyone in the Fayetteville area, Charlotte, we're less than two hours away. So come and check us out. All right, guys, it is time to get to this podcast. So here we go. It's snowing right now. No way. Really? Straight up. just Not just a flurry, like it's actual. It's coming down. I wow. don't think it will stick. No. But it's like. It's not cold enough, really. It's 30 degrees right now. Oh, is it? Wow. Mm -hmm. 
So it did. Drop. The high is going to be thirty eight, though. A whopping thirty eight. Isn't it? It's it's April. Uh, yeah. The end of April. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is happening? Josh, thanks for coming out. Yeah, thanks for having me. Where are you coming from? Just for people's context. Cerritos, California. Where's that at in relationship? Uh, it's the furthest east and south you can get in L.A. County before hitting Orange County. Oh, okay. So I'm kind of... Uh, You're the foothills of the San Bernardino? I'm, I'm like down closer to um, Huntington Beach, like going that direction. So getting closer to the water. My oh. dad lives up in Big Bear, which is, you know, I go back and forth with him. Yeah, you're pretty rural. Are you rural? Uh, suburbs. suburbs. Hard suburbs, yeah. Okay, but you're not in the city of L.A. No, way outside. Like, the county of L.A. is huge. Right? Massive. So I'm, I'm way outside the urban area. Are you in, You're in or Orange, or are you in L.A.? Uh, L.A. County, but I'm right there next to uh, Orange. How have, you, how have you... Have you seen some of the things that I guess people see and even we talk about with the homelessness, the crime? Have you experienced some kind of understanding of that shift? Um, yeah, so once upon a time, I used to ride my bike to work, and I would take the the aqueducts. Like your bicycle. Right, the yeah. L.A. River and all that stuff, which is off the roads. And there was just homeless encampments all along there. And we're talking like 10 years ago. Yeah. So it's not like it hasn't – it's always been there. Yeah. Right? It's always been prevalent. It's just a matter of like where they were. Mm -hmm. So those aqueducts are, you know, off the beaten path. There's no reason for anybody to go through that area. And Is that I where was, the concrete goes down? Yeah, you know, like, like the, the water culverts, yeah. those things. Yeah. So at the top, there's like a bike trail. Yeah. And so, you know, you're just whipping through on your bikes. But now uh, what's happened, at least in my city, I know it's happened all over the place, is that they've pretty much changed the laws that a lot of the homeless folks are moving into just the parks, just straight up the city park. And the the police and, and whatnot can't really do, or the sheriffs can't really do much to to get them out of there unless yeah. they're committing a crime, which is being in the park even overnight, which I don't really understand that, um, I guess, doesn't qualify. Yeah. To evict them from now they're looking at it like, well, that's your home, so we can't evict you from your home. Right. It also yeah. turns into a property rights nightmare because when the police do end up having to bring someone out of there, they now are like inventorying everything they have and they have to keep it, you know, for them to pick up at some later date, right? Because it's it's their personal property, right? What a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, what a, like I, I stopped. I mean, there's a lot of times when I used to go to Ceres, California, and even in San Bernardino where I thought about bringing my kids. And I, I think I went, it was a, like frequented a couple parks. And then those parks, there were, I literally saw needles on the ground and there was people everywhere that are homeless. And I'm like, Dude, I can't. I'm not going to risk my child's life potentially with somebody who's likely on drugs because homelessness is correlated with drug addiction. And then, and I'm not going to risk that. So I just stop thinking about bringing my family at all. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird if you're if you're visiting a town for the first time and you don't really know the parks to go to, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It turns in one of those situations where it's like, well, I'll just not go at all to any. Because you almost have to know the area better before you, you know, just start exploring those different parks and whatnot. It's a sad state of affairs, but yeah, it people can be. keep. I mean, people keep grinding on. I mean, it's like there's a lot of people there still. I mean, I think the L.A. metro area is like 11 plus million people stretched out over Orange and L.A. County, right? It's huge. It's huge. And, you know, again, it depends on what city you're in, too. So mm -hmm. Cerritos, where I'm at, is 
I guess one of the more middle uh, middle class and upper class um, areas. And so most of the parks and all that stuff are they're super clean, but you're talking one city over is Norwalk, California. Yeah. Right. Which you're probably familiar yeah, with. Norwalk. Yeah. Totally different environment. Yeah. And it, it, it just, it, it also depends on like what the city council makeup is and what kind of things they want to push. You know, I, I always remind people it's, you know, all politics starts as local politics. Yeah. And if you don't really involve yourself into what's going on at the local level, you can see something as quick as a couple of years just completely transformed. 100%. On, yeah. So, and, and you're talking like two miles in one direction and it's a completely different world. Almost. Yeah. Well, that's why I love people. A lot of people virtue signal about world politics. It's like you're virtue signal about world politics and you don't even know what's going on in your backyard. Right. I mean, you don't even know your mayor's name. You don't even know your mayor. <laughs> you don't know your sheriff. You right. don't know your, you know, you don't even know who's teaching your kids. Yep. Um, that's a good start point. Um, so we certainly have a lot of stuff to talk about. A lot of the stuff that we're going to communicate about is going to be on breakout sessions, a couple of YouTube videos, a couple pieces of content for the application uh, that we have that launches June 6. Because people want to know, like, hey, I want to get into this radio thing. It used to be, I think, ham radio, radio thing. But now it's like, I want to get into the radio thing, and I don't know where to begin. And if you guys know Josh, um, if you don't know Josh, he runs Ham Radio Crash Course, and now Ham Radio Nation. Oh, excuse me. Uh, Ham Nation. Ham. I, I took over a show for Leo Laporte and the Twit Network mm. um, that was used to be run by Bob Heil, mm -hmm. microphone maker, uh, only microphone maker in the Rock and Roll Roll, Roll Hall of Fame, I understand. Oh, wow. Yeah, he made the talk box for uh, Frampton. Oh, wow. I believe that's his, yeah, one of his things. Uh, anyway, so yeah, we do a two times live stream a week yeah. and uh, basically just try to, one, introduce people to radio, right? Not just ham radio, although that's my direction, mm -hmm. um, but get people more interested in this because it's it's a lot of fun, plus it has it has real-world value in, in different situations. It's, I, it seems like ham radio has gotten a lot, or radio period has gotten a lot radio. more popular mm -hmm. for the last couple of years. I mean, when we were talking about it, it wasn't really popular. You saw this surge of COVID and civil unrest and all these things where people are like, huh, maybe I should pay attention. And I've just seen the numbers blow. At least the analytics have blown up. Mm -hmm. Some of the, I, I think some of the reasons for that is I think people realize that, you know, if you live a, a communications based lifestyle where you're relying on service providers to, to give that to you, it can be turned off at any moment. Mm. Right. So having something that is at least, I call it off the grid, although, you know, it's it's not really, right? But the the point-to-point -point communication, mm. right? Because I can't pick up my phone and call your phone. Yeah. I've got to go through the a, whole network. A network, yeah. Right, which, you know, just a power outage, right, could cause a problem. Uh, but we obviously know for other reasons that, yeah, you, you might not be able to make a connection sometime. And that's where things like even your FRS, blister pack, Walmart radio, your GMRS radio, your amateur radio can fill that gap, at least in the, the close-in space, a couple yeah. of miles and whatnot. Gaining back some reliance in a re very reliant system where we're just like, we think that everything is going to run normal, available, and very uh, conveniently for us. And then when shit hits the fan... A lot of those systems go away, right? 
all your comfortable things, right? Mm -hmm. I call them your your comfortable things. If they were to disappear, well, communication is a, a massive aspect of what everyone does in, mm -hmm. in a daily basis. Whether we're we're literally talking to people, that's one thing. But most of us have all gone to what are we doing? Text messaging, emailing, mm -hmm. social media, all that stuff. Well, if that were to somehow get turned off, what do you do, mm -hmm. right? How do you stay connected? It just the you know uh, all politics is local. Going back to that, well, how do you how do you talk to your neighbor that may be homebound? You, you're part of the neighborhood watch group, and you know that they've got an oxygen machine and mm. power goes out. Oh shoot, what do we got to do to take care of them? How do we communicate with them? Mm. Am I going to stop what I'm doing and go and checking in with them every thirty minutes, or can I put a fifteen dollar Walmart radio in their hands and say, hey, call me if you need anything? Interesting. Yeah, I, I never thought about that. Like even disseminating your communications plan is important. Have them in stock or have an inventory at least that you could disseminate because if you're like, well, I'm squared away and then the people I want to talk to aren't squared away, then you don't have communication, at least two-way communication. That's that's actually one of the, the things I wanted to make sure we talked about is it's it's not about like, I mean, you can see the stuff we got on the table here. This is A lot of this is my stuff. And yeah, cool, I'm squared away. But some of this allows me to put up an antenna that I can talk a thousand miles with to somebody random, that's not going to help me in an emergency. Being able to talk to a neighbor, someone that I have a plan worked out with, right? Those are the people I want to hit. But at the same time, the only way that's effective if, is if I get them interested in this and they see the value of it. So there's a whole lot of planning and, and realistically training that needs to go into these type of communication plans and not just buying the Walmart radio, putting it on the shelf and go, well, now I'm all set mm. or buying the bow fangs or the, you know, whatever radios and putting it on the shelf and go, well, I'm good. Mm. Right. Yeah. I like we started American contingency as a, as a community-based organization for building relationships and networks and organically the ham radio network in American contingency and Amcon's network is thriving yeah. because a lot of, I don't know whether it's um, a lot of people who are into this kind of thing, preparedness especially, um, ham radio is on the forefront of their mind. They're thinking about communications in the worst case scenario and that network through the country. I mean, they do combo checks with each other all the time yep. through the ham radio network and Amcon. And that's one of the most impressive things ab about this is it's not just something that you can get into and it will be beneficial for your individual preparedness, but it actually tethers you to community and other people like you've seen, I, I imagine, on your show. I mean, you reach oh, a yeah. lot of people on your show. Uh, ham Radio Crash Course, right? Yeah, Ham yeah. Radio Crash Course. Yeah, yeah lot, again, lots of live streams, all that stuff. But that's, you know, again, that's that comfortable. We're on our phones looking at live streams and whatnot. I, I, I've talked to a lot of the uh, American contingency guys awesome. uh, for amateur radio and whatnot. And, I mean, they're kind of putting into practice what you would potentially do in an emergency. Mm -hmm. Right. I've seen those, like fake the scenarios. They're yeah. Doing. yeah, and we call them nets, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's one aspect of it where you say, okay, we're going to everybody get on 20 meters, which is an amateur radio band, and we're going to try and communicate, right, over the air. And we, I've got these list of names or people that we want to do check-ins with or we're just going to take all callers and whatnot. And, A, that could become like one of our emergency check-in frequencies. If something happens, mm. let's meet up there. And, and start disseminating information as needed. Now that helps you for like, you know, across the state, across the country type stuff.
but depending on what your scale is, it's the same concept. You practice it the same way mm. as you would deploy it if there was an emergency. I love that. I, one of the, my favorite videos that you did on your YouTube channel, Ham Radio Crash Course, is the survival video, survival comms video you did, I think, with your wife. Oh, that's an old one. Yeah, That's yeah, an yeah. old one, but yeah. it was so cool because it, it made me realize, especially as this is a very perishable skill set, if you're not putting it into practice, uh, even me, who's who definitely buys into it, it's not one of the tenets that I exercise frequently. Yeah. So I got a lot of atrophy when it comes to this. But the way that you put like the cheat sheet, the checklist card inside of the thing, and yeah. and then your wife and you went through the mock scenario where your wife pulled open the box and said like step one, you know, right. turn on the radio, you know. <laughs> Yeah, do you ever um if you ever want to test if you know something is try to put a card together yeah to explain to someone how to do the thing yeah have you seen that it was a social media there was like a viral post about a dad mm -hmm. reading the instructions that a kid wrote to make a peanut butter jelly sandwich <laughs> have you seen that <laughs> no, and, no. He, and and it said okay take the peanut butter put the knife in the peanut butter and so the dad takes it handle first and throws it in the peanut butter <laughs> and the kid starts you know panicking no you're doing it wrong but yeah you didn't tell me how to do oh that's really cool right yeah so yeah. have your kids explain to you how to make a peanut butter jelly sandwich or yeah. something along those lines but you know take anything to, to you know take how, how to use a firearm if if someone's never really done it before which you know we don't recommend that right obviously yeah yeah but if you're just throwing a radio at them and yeah. they've never used one before <laughs> they're like what the hell is this thing what do i do right yeah. i turn it on i'm not on the right channel i'm not on the right frequency maybe yeah. the antenna isn't even connected right yeah so if, if you're gonna do that you better make it as simple as possible and mm. for a lot of this stuff i'd say most of this on the table it's not just a here you go. Here's the thing. Look at this little tiny card and you're going to be, you know, perfect. Mm. Now it, it takes a lot of training mm. and, and really drilling in some cases to, to, to get up to speed just for voice comms. Yeah. We're not even talking about the, the digital stuff or the data that you can push with this. Yeah. And, and, and the difficult thing is people are not analog anymore. They don't like, they don't have the patience, the attention span, it's really the the competency to just do normal analog things like so you got to turn on this radio it's like what i got to turn it on i don't push a button right. like I, you know it's like what do you what do you mean i got to like go through frequency sets or pre-establish a channel and set those channels I, I see people even through the basic understanding of normal things just lose it because it's not all super convenient and you actually have to try in this stuff right uh, you you got to try, and I think it's a it's a progression, right? Mm -hmm. You start out with let's get the voice comms, mm -hmm. right, and then maybe we're gonna start looking at digital voice, and then maybe we're gonna just push data. We're gonna do packet yeah. data. We're gonna do APRS, which is automatic packet. You just lost everybody right there. No, Ninety percent of everybody's but, gone. <laughs> but what? Take it take it in a simpler sense. What if our radios could talk to each other and give our position, right? Mm -hmm. Or we don't want people to know our position and we could just send a text message to your radio. I could mm. say, Hey, you know, if you had a call sign, what's your call sign? Boom, boom, boom. I'm, you know, whatever. Mm. Um, that's kind of getting close to what we just take for granted with a SMS or phone text message. Mm. Well, for, for radio, you kind of have to, to build up to that understanding of how the systems actually work versus just, well, I bought an iPhone. 
and it's got a messaging app and I use it and I'm, and I'm done. Mm. Right. There's actually some understanding that goes into it. And, and it's kind of like it's Alice in Wonderland. The rabbit hole goes as deep as you want. You just have to kind of start, get the basics, the concepts of how to, you know, how to do some of this stuff and an RF as a general concept. And then you can kind of take it wherever you want. If you mm. want to push signals data, you can, if you want to push, you know, actual computer type data, you can over RF, you just got to figure out how to do it. Mm. Well, that's, that's a good, that's a good segue into kind of the focus for the short form podcast. Cause you know, I, I think you can't really half-ass this stuff when it comes to the the details because the details matter yeah but you guys who, who are listening to this or watching this don't have the attention span you probably are thinking about five things right now or doing 10 other things right now right but let, let's talk about the start point yeah imagine i'm somebody who has no freaking clue which is probably i would say bait around 50 percent of the audience because 50 percent is inquisitive mm -hmm. the other 50 percent are like I, i'm into this if you had to line out some start points, where does one begin? It it likely, well, it, it likely starts with you thinking, hey, I, I should have a radio, and I'm going to take it in two ways, uh, a receiver, a, a radio for receiving, mm -hmm. so AM, FM, broadcast, possibly shortwave, mm -hmm. information coming in from people broadcasting, whether that's your local emergency signal or your am broadcast or amateur radio operators you can pick up those signals with a receiver or a lot of people now as, as we started out with frs gmrs amateur radio we have a lot of more inexpensive radios on the market now so people are like yeah i'm gonna get that well you get that you got two of them you know so they can talk to each other but the concept of you know what are they actually doing and how do they work and how do they interoperate with each other are are kind of unique so frs is the weaker power what i would call weaker power brother of gmrs mm. so family radio service which is an fcc service identified and the these FCC. are frequency sets not radios specific right uh like when you say frs question. is that a radio or is that a no no it's actually it's both in the case of frs and gmrs mm. so you have the family radio service which is the you know blister pack walmart radios i use that as an example they put out a, I think a watt is, is like a walkie-talkie. Is a simple walkie-talkie. Okay, got it. So that is both a frequency set that they're locked to, but then also a specification kind of requirements that the FCC says they must follow. Those little blister pack radios do not have removable antennas, locked antennas. Oh, interesting. They have yeah. a fixed power output and they're channelized, meaning you can click channel six, yeah. talk, 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 you're done. And part of the reason for that is, you know, those radios are kind of designed to operate within a mile or so. Say you're at Disneyland or a park or whatever, and you just, here's a radio, I'm on channel five, we can we can talk. Mm -hmm. That was the idea. Then you add GMRS to it, right? GMRS is kind of the same frequency space, right? But now you've got a five watt handheld and it can talk considerably further. You can swap the antenna is that GMRS? Uh, it might be. Let me see. Yeah, Victor 3. Yeah, I think it is. I'm not familiar with. Uh, I So this is very, this is Baofeng vibes because the, the control scheme yeah. is very similar. But I don't know. That one might be uh, 2. But, but, but the basic concept is 
Removable antenna, more frequency. Removable antenna, or more range. higher power, uh, not more frequencies. It's still channelized. Mm. So it's like CB, channel 16, channel 6. Oh, there is no free you adjustability. No, you, you, there's no frequency adjustability yeah. with FRS and GMRS. That's mm. one of the major differences between amateur radio and FRS, GMRS, and um, Mars. Hey guys, it's Amber L here, and I wanted to tell you about our one of our partners. It's Athletic Greens, um, but more specifically, I wanted to tell you about AG1 by Athletic Greens. And if you're familiar with my lifestyle at all, or follow me in any capacity, you know that I have really taken ownership of my health and wellness over the last year. And I hold myself to new standards, and I've implemented some really strict disciplines that have extremely increase my overall wellness and vitality. And that's so important to me as a mom, but also for someone who takes their own um, self-defense and their own empowerment really seriously. And so one place where I feel like we all fall short is trying to keep up with our supplement routine. And AG1 is a life hack of sorts. And I love life hacks. And it's an all-in-one formula that makes it easy um, for me to cover my nutritional bases every day. One scoop is packed with 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients. And not just of basic average quality, but of really great quality. That's very important to me because of the bioavailability and the way that my body utilizes it. And so you get those benefits like gut and mood support and boosted energy and healthy looking skin, hair, and nails. And we all want that. So if you're looking for an easier way to take your supplements and you want to give them a try, Athletic Greens will give you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. So you can go to athleticgreens.com backslash fieldcraft to check them out. That's athleticgreens.com backslash fieldcraft. Okay. And, and when you say GMRS, um, is that CB or is CB different? Totally different. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, good question. GMRS and FRS functions in the UHF frequency space, ultra high frequency space. That's going to be in the 400 plus megahertz. Hmm. CB, on the other hand, is 11 meters. And, and this literally translates to the length of the wave, the RF wave. Hmm. So 70 centimeters, right? Not very big versus 11 meters, much different. On a semi-truck. Yeah, yeah, that's your super long whip, that kind of thing. Yeah. That's down at 27 megahertz mm -hmm. versus 400, you know, 440, 460 plus megahertz. Mm -hmm. They're totally different radios, meaning they can't listen, you can't listen to each other's traffic. Oh, really? Those radios, the FRS radios, GMRS radios, they're they're locked to just receive on those channels. Oh. So the civilian, the CB guys, they're off in their own sandbox. GMRS, their own sandbox. Amateur radio, they're also in their own sandbox, but we have more bands. So UHF, VHF, and then down into the high frequency bands. More options, many to more get options. around obstacles and communicate at different, uh, different uh, ranges. Right, that's that's it. It's like having a golf bag of of radio capability. Mm. So I want to get out of a sand trap. I'm going to use an antenna and a band that'll allow me to shoot my RF up and come back down. Oh, interesting. If I'm going to want to go really long, I'll take a driver and I'll go. You know, I'll use 20 meters, which is a high frequency radio band. And then I can shoot across the country. 
mm. right? So it's the golf bag concept of 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 radio options, right? Versus GMRS's your 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 putter. Mm. It's it's good for short range, but that's all you got. Mm. CB on the other hand uh, can get further ranges, but is is most often than not just local. Why? Why is um? So you have an FRS like a walkie-talkie by a Bass Pro. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just it's line of sight. It's me talking to you on a, a set channel, and then you have GMRS, which is more options of that. But then CB mm -hmm. has it, it. There's no requirements by law to transmit and receive on on CB, right? Uh, no, there are. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is also so somewhat misunderstood. Like the truck stop radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so this is somewhat of a misunderstood concept. So there's no requirement to have a license to operate CB. Yeah. Right? But the radios must be approved for transmission on CB. Through the FCC. Through the FCC. So Uniden, all them, when they come out with a radio, it must adhere to those rules. Mm. And those rules are channelized. You know, four watt power output, although we know that people, you know, they rig them up to go more power. Uh, but that's all done after the fact. Oh, to bring a radio to market, it must meet these standards. And that's the same thing that GMRS and FRS requires as well. It has to meet those standards. But I thought you had to get a license for GMRS. You have to get a license. So uh, again, FRS works kind of on the same frequencies as GMRS. Very similar radios, mm -hmm. but we have identified power output difference, removable antennas, that kind of thing. So a GMRS license is seventy. Uh, sorry, thirty-five dollars now. So the mm -hmm. price has gone down. That's one of the reasons so many more people are, are getting into it. And uh, that covers you for ten years, which is really good, and it covers your uh, your close family. So you buy your license that covers your significant other, your oh. kids, and I believe it'll even cover like your parents, Oh, right? And so it, one license works for everybody. Yeah. And uh, there are call signs that you are given for that. Yeah. Some people follow that and they use their call signs, which is helpful. Um, but I think some of that, the FCC would tell you, oh no, we need this to, in case we need to go knock on doors. Realistically, they don't. It's more or less like a service fee than anything. Yeah, for them existing, the FCC, if you will. Yeah, yeah. What's your so you have that, and then you have the ham radio, mm -hmm. and what I've seen more frequently, I've even seen it on comments on our posts together, where people are like, "I think I just recently did this. I did a ham radio post or something." Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, I think you chimed in, and we're kind of correcting people, where people were like, "I would never get my ham radio." license yeah. because I don't want to be tracked by the government and all this stuff. And I'm like, do people really believe out of all the things that people would be tracked for? Like there's, there are people who are saying this, who live in California, who have literally no constitutional gun rights. And you're worried about the FCC tracking a radio ham license. Like get the hell out of here. <laughs> Thank you so much for yeah, saying that, by the crazy. way, I, I tried. I, I, yeah, I get a ton of people who are all over me like, oh, I'll never get a ham radio license. We just got a driver's license. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good point. You're on Instagram. Yeah. There's a picture of you on your profile and your license your with type, all your information. Your, weight, your blood type, you know? Okay. Come on. Uh, you can, okay. If you want to get your amateur radio license, get a P.O. box. Yeah. And then you just use the P.O. box as yeah. your address. <laughs> That's it. 
they'll show up to the PO box and they can leave you a, a piece of mail. Uh, these guys would put the Republic address on social media and then they're right, worried right. about as they as they type on their iPhone uh, or on Facebook or on whatever. I mean, go through the list of options. Like, let's say, let's say you're trying to not have the government come find you. Yeah. Don't know why yeah. you're worried about that. Just go through the list of things that you have associated to you. Yeah, that the government would rather work with before they go. Oh, I'm going to go track them with this ham radio thing. Most of the, most of the entities of the government, they don't even care about the radio services. There's probably like no five guys at the FCC, and, and and they're all pretty close to retirement. I I would guess all of them. Yeah. <laughs> like let's go after the ham radio guy. Yeah, it's so explain for people what's so you have those localized channels, and then you have ham radio. Yeah. What's the necessity? What do you need as somebody? If you were recommending somebody who's like, I want to get into this, I don't know where to begin. What do I need versus what I want? Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, you need to have a license to transmit with amateur radio. That's the big thing. And the and the big distinction here is if we go back to CB, FRS, GMRS, those radios are kind of licensed to run in those services. Once you become licensed as an amateur radio operator, you are the license holder. So I'm responsible. I could build my own radio. I don't need to have this lockdown radio that you buy from Walmart. Or oh, interesting. Online. I can make my own radio, deploy it, use it. You could build a tower in your house. Tower outside. You, yeah. can, you can do whatever you want so long as you're following good amateur principles and you're not hurting anybody, not raiding anybody with RF or anything like that. Um, and you're within a certain power limit. Like in GMRS has a five watt, uh, the mobile radios that would go in a car, 50 watt. Yeah. My upper limit is 1500 watts. Oh, wow. So we're talking considerably more power that, that I could potentially use. Hmm. Now, if you wanna just talk comparing, like I want a similar capability to a GMRS radio, uh, there is a ton of options. You can go with very inexpensive, you know, the bow fan gets thrown around. That's probably your entry yeah. point. And then the sky's the limit. Like you're holding one of the the more expensive radios. Uh, there is a newer model to that radio, but the function is is basically identical. With that radio, now you're talking frequency. So I say, hey, Mike, we're going to meet up on 146.520 megahertz. So it's not channelized now. It's a megahertz based. Mm -hmm. um, system and that happens to be the national calling frequency for how we communicate on the two meter amateur radio band when you go to a frequency based uh, approach you have much more many more options in, in in the case of gmrs you've got 20 something channels i don't think we're ever going to get in a situation where those are all you know booked up or busy at any one time but in an emergency in a busy environment in an urban situation who knows Right. Mm. There's only so many people that can be transmitting at the same time on those frequencies. With amateur radio, no, we can just dive off to another frequency and use it as we need. Yeah. You have more options to communicate. M many more options. Yeah. And uh, we can go into different bands of operation. And those bands allow, again, the range adjustment for whatever we want to do. Mm. Let's say, let's talk about equipment real quick before we finish mm -hmm. this up. Um, what is the. Because I've been doing a lot of overlanding mobility. We do that for the company. I plan to spend a lot of time starting when it's not snowing in April. Um, a lot of time on the road um, with my family, with Philcraft Survival, with the guys. 
Um, and I've been turned on to GMRS. Yeah. As good mobile comms. We, we've talked to a rugged Absolutely. radio. Um, what's the best GMRS options for radios that you've seen? This is also a good question, but also kind of a tough answer. I, I completely agree with you, by the way, that for a lot of overland guys, off-road guys, GMRS is probably the solution that you're looking for. Mm. So I have made a, a hobby and a semi-lifestyle out of amateur radio because I do it for fun. Yeah. A lot of guys who are going off-roading, they're doing off-roading for fun. That mm. is their hobby. Yeah. They're not trying to make the radio their yeah. new hobby. It's a tool. Yep. Right. It's a good tool. You need it. Right. So having something that's easy to use and something that you can deploy and, and just have it work. Mm. GMRS is great for that. If it were me and, you know, I'm, I want to have an overland setup, definitely go with a mobile radio would be my recommendation. Versus a in vehicle? Yeah, no, I mean mobile in vehicle. Oh, mobile in vehicle. Right. So, when, uh, so maybe I'll clarify this. Handhelds are the one, the one you're holding. Yeah. Right. That's a handheld. Yeah. The one that is a little box that goes in the vehicle. Yeah. That's a mobile. We call them. Yeah. Go with that because, and and for GMRS, this is an important distinction. That upper limit is 50 watts. So you're getting 50 watts in a vehicle versus a few watts. Four watts, five yeah, watts out watts, of a GMRS watts. handheld. Plus, with a with a vehicle, you've got a good platform to put up a much better antenna, and that's going to increase your capability to be able to communicate. And, and in some cases, particularly depending on your line of sight, you're you're talking fifty miles plus in some cases. No problem with GMRS or amateur radio. We'll both do that. Versus a handheld, you're always going to be limited by that power output and your antenna that you would deploy right in in any situation. Those little, we call them rubber duck antennas, the, mm -hmm. you know, literally the rubber antennas, not good performers. You almost always need to upgrade those. Yeah, if, a, if Mike Hernandez goes over a hill in Moab yeah. and I don't see him, I won't be able to talk to him. No. Yeah. I mean, all, all of the, the radio, GMRS has that problem. It, it's, it generally requires line of sight yeah. to be able to have communication to another party. So that's going to affect everything that's yeah. operating in that higher frequency space. Mm. Yeah, my Yesu mobile platform in my truck mm -hmm. is has ex exceptional range everywhere we go inside the vehicle. So you've got yeah two things there too, right? Yeah. That radio can transmit on VHF and UHF. Mm. VHF is a really good kind of open environment transmitter. Mm -hmm. You can get you know again. It, it always depends on line of sight, how, mm -hmm. how you know close you are and what if there's no mountains or trees in the way. But yeah, you can get 50 plus up to 100 miles. I've talked from my location, Cerritos, to San Diego, wow. which is like 100 miles, uh, without much of a problem. You've also got then the, the ultra high frequency, which is the same space that GMRS operates in. And mm -hmm. those can be better going through walls and whatnot for transmit, but uh, you lose some of that longer range capability. Mm. Okay, let's let's finally at, uh, ask, what about survival radio? So I'm thinking survival radio is like the worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. Typically, it's not something potentially that I would exercise. It's something that I, like you did in that video, you put in a box. Yeah. It's an emergency communications package. What's the best option there? The best option is going to be Make sure that everybody's on board with you, right? 
that they actually they have a combo plan that they're going to implement or or they're going to follow you in what you're doing because if if they are not on board it doesn't matter how many boxes and cool cute cards you have and handheld radios you have if they don't know how to use the radio or just be at all willing to open the box and try, mm. then you're already dead in the water. Who are you going to talk to? Yeah, you may get lucky, and, the, and there could be other like-minded individuals in your close-in area that you could talk to. But do I want to count on that in a survival situation? Maybe not. Mm. So, you know, depending on how you look at this, survival radios can take a couple of forms. If you're talking about just going out, you're going on a hike, couple of day hike by yourself. What I would recommend there is slightly different than like in a disaster type of situation, mm. right? If you're going to just go out on your own, it's not so much, again, comms plan is important. Making sure people know where you're going, right? Your pace plan for communication, right? Yeah. So I'm going to try my phone first because that's convenient, right? Mm -hmm. The next, if I'm truly hurt, I'm not going to futz around with turning on the handheld and setting up the antenna. I'm going to push the help me button on my spot or my Garmin. Mm. and say, get me the hell out of here. Mm -hmm. uh, then, you know, go down the list, right? But if it's just, you know, I'm out there with a buddy, we're going to be on the radio. We're not going to waste our cell phone batteries on that. Mm -hmm. Or, um, you know, hey, I'll, there's a, a, a summit that I'm going to be adjacent to. If I get into trouble, I'll hike up to the summit or I'll just climb up there and let you know I'm okay. And we'll use the wilderness protocol for um, checking in. Mm. Every three hours, I'll, I'll call out on this frequency. And if you hear me, everything's good mm. right there there's multiple approaches you can take for like going out right for mm -hmm. for survival radio if you're talking a disaster kind of plan well now so that's where you're i almost feel you've got to have a couple of different options so that that bring back that am fm receiver you need to have one of those up and running so you can hear any news or anything that's coming out like that you need a couple of those Walmart FRS blister pack radios to leave at your neighbor who, mm. you know, needs the oxygen generator. And, and we've got a, a generator out back and we're, we're going to keep the gas coming over there to keep them going. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and just to be able to throw out to people who need, I don't know, it, I, I worry about earthquakes where I'm from. Yeah. And I've got a couple of neighbors in our neighborhood watch plan that like, yeah, no, they, they could need medical assistance. And if we truly lose power lose cell phones then yeah i'm gonna be like here's the radio i'll leave mine running here's extra batteries mm. don't touch it it's on channel six just push this button that's it and that would be the person you'd leave the card for right mm. but then that would mean like okay now that we've got our little walmart radio i may have to interoperate with some of my friends to local repeaters and that's where i'm going to be talking on ham radio mm. so it it I know this is I know this is exactly the answer and we're we're diving in the rabbit hole again but it's going to depend on what your goals are. Like what you think your survival situation is or your disaster situation is, you're now going to figure out what the correct communication tool is to solve that or be prepared for that specific problem. problem yeah. A specific problem. Yeah, right? it sounds like there's a potential communications solution via the narrow problem versus right. an all end all be all solution that kind of covers it all. And and that's the question I get asked, you know, get, tell me the best ham radio. I want to buy once, cry once. And I always come back with, well, what do you think you're going to do with this thing? 
Yeah. Like, what do you want to do? Are you do? just going to put it on a table and like take pictures of it for Instagram? Oh yeah. I've got, <laughs> we got tons of those, but, but sometimes the, the answer sometimes is, well, I want to be prepared for anything. Well, I got news for you. You know, that's not, that's not really, uh, there's no thing that does that. Make a list. Or, yeah. or, or it does exist, but it weighs, you know, 20 pounds, the full kit. And you're not going to put that in a backpack. You likely have to compromise along the way and prioritize certain things over other things, mm. much like we do with everything, right? But mm -hmm. again, it, it's something you kind of have to have a realistic discussion with yourself, your family, your friends, and what your goals are. And you know, then yes, then absolutely, there's there's plenty of ways to achieve those goals. Yeah, it's like the same argument over guns and ammo. It's like I agree. Completely. There's a ton of options, it's just like how that Ruger 1022 breakdown with. A stockpile of 22 ammo and an AK-47 behind Josh, and a, you know a spear LT sitting on the wall. It's like there are options depending on what the intent or objective is. Um, perfect perf example. Yeah, per yeah, perfect opportunity for us to end this and then do breakouts because we're going to have both YouTube videos talking about very specific things uh, and those specific options, as well as content on our application that drops June 6th, the Philcraft Survival app or we'll be educating you guys on very specific things as related to emergency comms. Um, a lot of this is communications. I, I, I think of it like a like food storage. People always ask me, like, how much do I need? And I go, well, yes. that depends, right? But but also, I, am, I like exercising or utilizing in food the thing that I like to eat. And then I buy, I yes. eat that, and then yes. I stockpile the back end of it yes. while I'm eating it forward. Mm -hmm. And that mindset is the same way I think you should integrate radios. Because if you're using MGRS in the field when you're overlanding, you're exercising the emergency contingency of the thing that you might have to use in the worst case scenario. So have a system or a plan that is going to allow you to kind of live that prepared life versus just like, you know, buy, buying the bow fang and putting it in a box and then you never pull it out, right? Um, but I'm looking forward to the breakouts with you. 100%. Where can people find all your stuff? You can search Ham Radio Crash Course just about anywhere and I'll show up in some form. So I'm all over YouTube, um, Instagram, Facebook. We've got a Discord server. We've got links to everything on the Facebook, but hamradiocrashcourse.com, we have links across the board. So pretty much everywhere. And we do a podcast once a week with my wife now too. So Awesome. Where's that Where's that podcast? Is that normally where all podcasts are found? Uh, the RS, well, so we've got, uh, we're off of Podbean, but you know, if you go to Apple or whatever They're you all podcast, it, the RSS feeds in there for the Ham Radio Awesome. And then you have an Instagram. I like your Instagram too, because it's a little visual representation yeah. as well. Also Ham Radio Crash Course, yeah. Ham Radio Crash Course, cool. <laughs> Easy to follow. Awesome. Thanks, Joss. Yeah, thanks, yeah. Mike. We got a lot of stuff to catch up on. Thanks, guys. Uh, make sure you subscribe, hit the notification tab, all that good stuff, but also see all the links for all of Josh's content and education because you're going to need it if you're going to be into ham radio and everything else comms wise thanks guys